Oh man, well today we're talking about Zechariah. Zechariah, the God of restoration. We're going to be uh, turning to Zechariah a little bit towards the end of the actual sermon. Um, but if you want to get your Bibles out to try and find it now, you're more than welcome. Because I don't know about you, ever since we started this Minor Prophet series, I've realized how I just don't know where any of the Minor Prophets are. <laughs> like I'm just flicking through the Bible. I'm like, I should have brought my phone out with the Bible app and then I can just like search it and then I can find it. I'm like passing them all. So Zechariah is... Um, if you go to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and go two books back, you'll get there. It's probably the easiest way. And when Pastor Nigel, he gave us a list of different minor prophets to, to speak on and, and talk on. Um, and I picked uh, Hosea, as I've already preached on, the God of Unfaithful, and Zechariah. Uh, I picked them because I thought, oh, they'll be good. I'll, I'll, they'll be good. I'll pick those ones. They, they sound fun. And then I started studying them, and I was like, I'm an idiot. Why on earth didn't I just pick Jonah? I know the story of Jonah. Everyone knows the story of Jonah. It's quite an easy story. Why didn't I pick just the easy stories? Like, uh, you know, there's prophets that have three chapters and four chapters in them, and I've picked the long ones, and I don't know why. It's a very complicated book, Zechariah, um, and it's purposely written and, and laid out to be complicated. The, the, the reason for it, and we're going to get to that towards the end, actually. Um, but it is very awkwardly put together. Um, it is sort of towards the end of the exile. Do you remember in like Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, who's a prophet to Israel, we have verses in, of scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and harm, not harm you. Plans to give you a, a future, peace in the future or something like that. Um, and we, you see them on like bumper cars and on walls and on people's like social media. Bumper cars, Bumpers on cars. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for that correction because yeah, people are very holy bumper cars that you're going on, Ben. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you see them everywhere. And actually what is Jeremiah is doing is preparing the people that you're going to go into this exile for 70 years. And, and I need you to know that this is going to be a very difficult time. And, and God needs you to know it's going to be a difficult time. So when he says those, the prophecy, he's, warned, he's saying, God is going to prosper you. He, he knows the plans he has for you. But also you're going to go into a, a long period of exile for 70 years. Now, whether it's a literal 70 years or 70 years is, represents a generation, doesn't it? 70 years. So whether it's literal or not, it doesn't really matter. What we know is a long time is going to pass and you're going to be in exile. And we're heading towards the end of that now. We're heading towards the end of that. And it's a people who uh, weren't in the promised land. They were, you know, if they were born the first year of exile, they're now the, grand, the grandparents of, in the exile. And they're looking around, the people are looking around and saying, didn't God say that he was going to bring us back to the promised land? Didn't God say he was going to bring us back out of the exile? Didn't God say he was going to do it? And and they're sort of asking these questions and Zechariah is hearing these questions and God is speaking to Zechariah to tell the people, I'm hearing your questions and yes, I'm still going to do it. The people are basically saying, if God said that, why am I still here? Why am I still here? And I don't know about you, but I've, I've said those prayers before multiple times to God. Like, God, if you promised this, why on earth is this my reality? 
Why is, am I not facing breakthrough? Maybe you've got family members that you've been praying for and believing in God. God said they would be saved. God, uh, God did and he gave me a promise they would be saved. And then that was 10 years ago and they're still not in church and you're going, what on earth is going on? God, if you said, maybe it's a job or, or a relationship or, or marriage or, or what, what could it be that you're going, God, didn't you say? And now I'm looking And I'm still here in this weird place of waiting. And obviously, when there's waiting, there is anxiety, there's hurts, there's discouragement. And it allows doubt to start to breed. And Zechariah is written because it allows us now to look back and see that firstly, we're in good company when we are in these awkward, weird waiting times and we start to doubt. We're in good company because the people who were in exile also were in these weird, awkward waiting times and didn't, didn't know what was going to happen. But it also gives us some answers to the, God's promises. So let's get into the, a little bit of a background into what Zechariah, Zechariah is like. Um, so it starts off with a little introduction and then it talks about, we're not going to do all of the prophecies because they're long. We're not going to read it all, don't worry. Um, but the, the visions that he has are symmetrical. So the first eight visions are symmetrical. So the first vision and the eighth vision uh, about four horsemen. The prophecies all about... Um, peace coming, the Syrians overtaking and 70 years exile. Um, and there will be peace that will come. So the first one's all about the, this, the Syrian takeover. The last one is about leaving exile. And, and it's all about this, this peace that will take place, but it doesn't mention any timing. Timing is unanswered. And it's important that we understand that there's no timing. God doesn't always give us timing. He might give you a promise, but doesn't tell you always when it will be fulfilled. Um, and God's timing is not our timing as well. So the first and the eighth are linked. The second and the seventh are about Israel's past sin and their subsequent exile. The third and the sixth are talking about the building of the new Jerusalem, a promise of hope. That God's promise that the new Jerusalem will be a beacon to the nations. That's the third. And the sixth is that it'll be purified by the scripture, by, by the right living, by it'll be a, 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 a pure city. And at the center of them all, the fourth and the fifth, talk about Joshua the high priest. That's four. Joshua the high priest, that if you are faithful to God, you will lead the people back. And it talks about Zerubbabel. It's a hard word to say, a name even. Um, Zerubbabel, who is in the line of King David. And it says, success will come only if you depend on God's spirit. Success will come to you, but it's only going to come if you depend on God's spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. How many people here have tried to do things by your own might and failed miserably? I mean... (laughs) I've tried so much to manipulate situations of God's promise, like God, God's promised me this, so it means that I need to put my hands on it and I need to start manipulating it. And I'm like trying and trying and trying. And I, I think God's just looking at me going, oh my days, what on earth? He hasn't got a clue. 
So that it, and I also find it very interesting, and this is completely off topic, and there is nothing in my notes about this, but I, I just find it very cool that that Joshua the high priest isn't the same Joshua in Exodus, in the story of bringing him into the promised land. But isn't it interesting how God uses two Joshuas to, firstly, he's saying to the one Joshua, Moses is Joshua, hey, you're going to come into the promised land, that's fantastic, you're going to lead them. And then on the other side, he uses a Joshua to say, you're going to bring the people back out of exile into the promised land. I just, I don't know if God's got a a sense of humor, but he definitely knows the plans that he has for people, that he raises up certain people and certain names in the Bible, that we can, we can hold on to promises that they are going to lead them. And if you are faithful to God, he says to Joshua the high priest, you will lead the people back. And so the next couple of chapters is all about this sort of uh, pursue justice and peace and be faithful to the covenant and it will happen. In other words, in, in the sort of conclusion of, of, of all these, these prophecies, Zechariah is saying to the people, are you going to be the type of people who are ready to receive restoration? Are you going to be the type of people who are ready to actually take hold of restoration when it, when it comes? And then he finishes off by talking about this king, this king who's one day going to ride a donkey into the new Jerusalem. And he symbolized as this shepherd over the people, this shepherd who will be rejected by the people and other shepherds will rise up against him. I don't know if that sounds like anyone to you. And then it talks about God's justice, how he will confront evil among the nations that God will pour out his spirit of repentance upon the people. Um, How he's going to pour out his spirit among the people. And it ends with this image of a river of living water flowing out of the city. And now I, I preached, and I'm not expecting you to remember it, I barely do. I preached a little while ago about a woman encountering a well in John 4, when we were doing, a, I think it's probably like my first preach here. Um, and it was when we were doing our John series. And I pulled out this really fascinating thing, because as I said, I don't know if this sounds familiar to any of you, but to me it sounds like Jesus that Zechariah is, is prophesying to. And when the woman encounters Jesus, what happens is that uh, they, they have a discussion about uh, living water, don't they? And Jesus says, you know, I, whoever drinks of me will never thirst again. Um, and what Jesus is referring to is when he hangs up on the tree, water flows from his side. This living water comes from him. He is this river. And Zechariah, way back when, is saying that prophecy. He, he, he's pointing towards Jesus dying on the cross, that water will flow from his side. A river of living water will come out of the nation. And we know we know that that's how we enter eternal life. That's no, we know that's how we enter the, the promise of God. It's through Jesus' death and his resurrection. I think it's worth pointing out <clears throat> that we are not living in the same time as these people were back in Zechariah. I think I need to say that. You're not living in the same time. You're not an Israelite living in this Old Testament biblical time. We live in a very different time. See, in this time, they are, they are waiting for restoration to return to the people, uh, back to the promised land. They're waiting to come out of exile. 
So they're waiting for that restoration. So it's like a personal restoration, but they're also waiting for restoration of the coming Messiah. He's going to come as, as those last sort of chapters sort of talk about, that he will come and he will, he will uh, die for them. They don't, they, they're looking forward to this. Now we read that and we read Jesus into those scriptures because we know we know Jesus comes. We know the New Testament. We have that revelation. And, and, and so because of that, we read Jesus in, back into these scriptures. They weren't realizing Jesus was this person who was going to come. And so we're living in a different era to them because we've already got Jesus. So they are way over here waiting for the Messiah. And we know when Jesus came, died and rose again, we had eternal life. His kingdom came to earth. We're over here. So Jesus' kingdom has come. But the question then is, why do we still see suffering or pain or frustration? Why are you still struggling in your life? Like if Jesus has come, like by his stripes, we are healed. Why am I still with this illness? Why am I still seeking restoration? If Jesus has already come, why? Because we live in this awkward, weird tension, this awkward, weird time, as you would all know, that his kingdom has come, but is still yet to be fulfilled. We're part of Elam, Elam Foursquare, Gospel Alliance, that's the full name. Um, and Foursquare Gospel, uh, it means uh, Jesus is the saviour, he is the healer, he is the baptizer, okay, uh, and he is the, the coming king. So we as a denomination fully believe that Jesus is coming back again. And when he does come back again, we see restoration. So we live in this weird time where we are still awaiting the Messiah's return. Although he has come once, we're still waiting for his return. And in the middle of the wait, we see glimpses of wholeness, but still are struggling with brokenness. You only have to switch on the news to realize we have a broken world, full of pain and suffering. A lot of people only have to look at their own lives to see brokenness. New Zechariah, the, the people are crying out, well, how long am I going through this, God? When will you turn up? When will restoration come? And the question of, is God going to keep his promises? I don't know if you've ever asked those questions before. I know certainly I have. In a waiting period between, between God's promise and his restoration, doubt starts to fill our minds. It's human. So why make us wait? Why does God make us wait? Well, doubt enables us to use faith. Waiting is necessary because it's where faith is needed. And Zechariah teaches us that God will move, but it's our job to remain faithful to him, to keep pressing on during the doubt, 
to trust his timing and not our own. It says this in Zechariah 10, 6. Maybe you're going through that moment right now. Maybe you're, um, maybe you're feeling frustrated and hurt and there's some situations going on. I don't know what it might be. You might not. You might have a great life. Um, and if you do, that's fantastic. But you might also be struggling a little bit. Um, and there might be something that you felt God say. Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's a, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Um, Zechariah has this lovely thing in, in, in chapter 10 where we start to see who God is again. He starts to show himself once more to who, to the people who he is. He, he says this, God says this to the people, I will strengthen Judah and save the tribes of Joseph. I will restore them because I have compassion on them. They will be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord, their God, and I will answer them. The Ephraimites will become like warriors, and their hearts will be glad as with wine. Their children will see it and be joyful. Their hearts will rejoice in the Lord. I will signal for them and gather them in. Surely I will redeem them. They will be as numerous as before. Though I scatter them among the people, yet in distant lands, they will remember me. They and their children will survive and they will return. I will bring back them from Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them to Gilead and Lebanon and there will not be enough room for them. They will pass through the sea of trouble and surging seas will be subdued, subdued and all of the depths of the Nile will dry up. Assyria's pride will be brought down and Egypt's scepter will pass away. I will strengthen them in the Lord and in his name they will live securely, declares the Lord. What's the key word that I was overdoing a bit there? Will. He doesn't say I might. God doesn't say to the people, I, I could possibly. He says, I will. I will. I will. God is a God of absolutes. And, and Zechariah is so important for us to look at and to study because it's complicated and weird. And the, picture, the pictures and the visions on it are very bright and they're very exuberant and they're very, what on earth is going on here? But it teaches us that God is a God of absolutes. That if he has said it, he will do it. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God completes everything. I met a pastor, um, not from not from Elam, he's from outside of Elam, from outside of Wales. And I had this conversation with the pastor and he said, you know, I met this person and I've never met someone who believes in a literal six, uh, seven day creation. He said, and I thought, wow, that's incredible that like, you believe in that. I'm going to be honest with you now and can talk a little bit about my theology. I personally do believe in a, a seven day creation. You don't have to, that's fine. I personally do. Um, and I do because I believe that God is powerful enough to, to do it is that simply it's you know I'm not trying to push any theology on you right now or anything like that but that's just how how I feel I'm one of those weird Christians who's like fully fully convinced in the power of God 
Do you know the, do you know the type? Do you know the type that's like, like, I just fully believe that God can. Like, I just, I do. And when I look at the creation at this very start, in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Because when God says, he says, he speaks in absolutes, it will happen. It happens when God speaks, it happens. And sometimes there's a delay, yes, but when he speaks, it will happen. If it's not good yet, it's not done yet, because God makes everything good. So, so what? So what then? What are you talking about? Like, that's great. God deals in absolutes. Uh, what, what, what's that mean for me? Zechariah is reminding the people God deals in absolutes. He will fulfill his promises. And so therefore, we need to live faithfully to him. Zechariah 1 one to three, it starts with this. It says, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Bechariah, the son of Edo. That bit is just, you know, just great for historians. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This is how he starts it. This is what God's saying to you. Return to me, declares the Lord, and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. It's a very, very clear. God is faithful to his word. Restoration will take place. So are you going to be faithful to him? Are you going to be faithful to him and return to him? If my people would call upon my name and humble themselves and seek my face, what will happen? That would be great. No, I will hear them. I will save their sin. I will heal their land. If my people come and return to me once more, then I will accomplish. And so maybe right now you need to hear that. That's what you need to hear, is God saying to you, be faithful to me, because I will restore if you're faithful to me. Or maybe you're like that guy in the New Testament. Um, I have a group chat with a couple of pastor friends and I put, him in, put it in the group chat. I was like, what's this guy talking about when he says um, he has a son who is possessed and he comes up to Jesus and says, if you can, Jesus, if you can heal him. And he says, what do you mean? <laughs> do you mean if you can? Who do you think I am? Do you believe in me? And, and he says, I do believe but help my unbelief. And I put it in the, like, my group chat. I was like, oh, what's going on here? Like, what, what does he mean by this? Because I think he knows who God is. Like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo, weird Christian. That's like, yeah, I believe in God. I believe he created everything. I believe he can do incredible things, that healings can take place instantly, that we can see miraculous signs and wonders come. I believe all that stuff. I'm a weird Christian. But oftentimes, there'll be promises from God. And in the waiting period, I start to, to say, God, I believe that you, you can, but I'm not sure if you will. And I think that's kind of where this guy was at. 
and, and maybe a lot of people are at here. To say, God, I, I fully believe you, you can do that. Like 100%, I know you can do that. But I just, I don't know if you will do that now. Like I've waited here and maybe I heard you wrong and maybe I didn't quite get it. Maybe I, 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 your promises back then, I got it then, but now maybe not. And maybe that's you right now when you need to say, I do believe God, but help my unbelief. And maybe you need to make a, a stand, either physically or, or in your heart, to say, I, I'm standing up against my doubt. I'm going to stand up against my doubt. I'm going to invite Dave to come back, and if that's okay. Um, you know, I said at the start that um, Zechariah is written really awkwardly, really weirdly. Um, there's a guy called Tim Mackey. He's a fantastic guy, a fantastic theologian. He says this about Zechariah. It's, he says, it's awkwardly fit together it's like a wild ride. It isn't a linear flow of thought. Why? Because it symbolizes life. That life isn't neat and doesn't fit into our plans. But we are invited to look above the chaos and hope for the coming of God's kingdom, which should motivate faithfulness in the present. Let me say that again. We are invited to look above the chaos the chaos of, 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 of where we are right now. We're invited to look above the chaos and hope for the coming of God's kingdom. And within that hope, it should motivate faithfulness in the present. Life is a mess and we have moments where we're just pleading I don't know why I'm still here. I thought I should be there by now. I thought that's where you would call me to. I thought that would have broken through by now. I thought my family would be in church by now. I thought, I thought, I thought, God. The very first prophecy, there's no time in. God just gives his word. There's a, uh, I heard a sermon once. Um, and he just asked the question he said why doth thou I don't know why he used old English but he did he said why doth thou look at the dust and I think as Christians we get into this thing where we look at our problems our situation and we, we tend to look at the worst <laughs> like look at this dirt look I'm still here in the dirt and this guy went on to say, if you just looked up and saw all the stars and saw the majesty of creation, if you just changed your posture in the season of waiting, in the season of hurt, in the season of God, why not yet? And said, I don't know why I'm still here, but I trust the one who spoke life into my body, that he is faithful and just and will fulfill his promises towards me. If we change our posture to say, I do believe and help my unbelief, I think then maybe 
we might start to get ready, get ourselves ready for the restoration to take place. Father God, we, we thank you that you are good, that you are above all and beyond all, that you are mighty and you are holy. We thank you that you, will live, you, you work in absolutes. And so when you say it, it shall be done. And even in the midst of our unbelief, you are still faithful to your word. Even in the midst of our questions and our pains. And I thought I would be somewhere else by now and I didn't think I was going to be here, but I find myself here. Is it going to happen? Is it gonna, is it gonna break, are you gonna break through even in the midst of the pain and the frustration? You are still faithful and working in the unseen. And Father God, I pray right now for everyone here who is dealing with a waiting season, who is dealing with seasons of, of frustration because they, th they thought, we, well, I shouldn't be here right now. I should be somewhere else. And I thought God would have moved me along by now, but I'm still here. To every single person who is facing that and feeling that, God, would you come and would you speak belief into their lives? Would you come and would you pump their faith levels up again to believe that he who, is, who has said it is faithful? He who has spoken the words will fulfill. And God, as we look forward to your return for that final restoration when all sickness is gone. Would you come and enable us and move us and, and build us? Amen. Well